another episode of Wizards After Dark, and we're doing it after an actual Wizards win, which are rare to come nowadays. The first uh, game for Bobby Portis, the first game for Wes Johnson, the first game for Jabari Parker. They let it be known. Bobby Portis had 30 in 27 minutes. His first game was a Wizard. 12 for 17 from the field, 4 for 6. They beat the Cavs. 119-106. I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. I'm here with Abel Wallace, who has not been on the podcast before for the Washington Post. Yes, it's because I have not covered many Wizards games uh, this year, but I know this team... Way to lay out your credentials right away. Credentials, hi, I'm new. No, um, it's so funny because we heard so much about that, the Wizards team that two seasons ago left Boston Garden after taking uh, the Celtics to Game 7, and I covered that series. And as I told you today, everyone is new now, except for like four people. So it's been a lot of learning, um, but tonight was fun. Debut for some good guys. Yeah, so we're gonna, let's, let's jump into the new people. This is not going to be a super long podcast. I'm going to save. Thank God. <laughs> save me with the amount yeah, of time talking to me. Uh, let's talk about the new guys right away. Bobby Portis had, who came over in the auto porter trade, like I said, had 30 and, and five boards and 27 minutes off the bench. Where is he? Jabari Parker almost had his first career triple-double. He played 23 minutes, and Scott Brooks said the reason they didn't have him was more because of Scott Brooks than it was because of Jabari Parker, and he's probably right because he played 23 Cruel minutes. Man, Scott Brooks. Yep. Got pulled uh, with four and a half minutes left in the game, I think, uh, and he had seven points, 11 rebounds, nine assists in 23 minutes, three for six from the field, one for three from three. And uh, Wes Johnson played 15 minutes, had a couple of points and, and a rebound, and Scott Brooks said he thought he defended really well after the game. Wizards didn't really play great. They played a good first half offensively. Defense wasn't great. Cleveland's terrible. But as we just saw like two weeks ago, they can lose to these teams. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Portis, just on um, 16 points on 6-6 shooting in his first five minutes just in the first quarter. Just on freaking fire. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's what's frustrating about this team is they're so malleable. So if somebody comes out and starts shooting like that, Brad Beal said it. He was like, we fell off him all night. That was so important. And that's, again, where this team can be so frustrating because if they have a guy like that who can do that every night. And Bobby Portis, obviously, somebody who is known for his passion, for his energy. So that bodes really well for the Wizards. But if they're missing that piece... Like you said, they can lose to the Cavs. We've seen the, we've seen those games. They they lost to them twice this season. But um, that's why Portis was so important tonight and could be really important moving forward. As he has so much energy and he can kind of kickstart them when you know Beal I think didn't even get a shot up until late in the in the first quarter, even though he had all those assists. But um, Portis was really important, showing his range, showing his versatility. But I think more than anything, what I was really impressed with was his energy. Yeah, and that's kind of what he's known for. And he's he's like a he's like a streak scorer. He can he can have moments where like he he catches fire like this and has big games. He had 33 in his last game with the Bulls. He is the first player in NBA history. I saw that stat. Yeah. Great, great stat. The first player <laughs> in NBA history. You know what I'm not even gonna say. Let's just we both know it. You look it up, suckers. You yeah, exactly. Yourself. No, he's the first player in NBA history to have 30 plus points in back-to-back games mm-hmm. for two different teams, right. which is a very specific specific stat, but it's still an impressive stat. He's also the first player in Wizards franchise history to have 30 in his first game mm-hmm. off the bench. Also a very specific stat. Yeah. Also a very impressive stat. He yeah. uh, he played well, and he's capable of putting up, you know, big nights every once in a while. Uh, honestly, what stood out to me is, like, these guys haven't had a practice. They've won shoot-around. 
they don't know the offense. They don't know the defense. They don't know the signals. They don't know the language. They don't know the plays. They don't know anything. They have to simplify everything when those guys are out there. And Scott Brooks is playing lineup with lineups with all three of them out there at different points. What stood out to me the most with Porter more than the points was just like, like you talk about the energy. It came through so much on offense when he was just like, he was screening everybody. Yeah. It was like, I don't even care who you are. I don't care if I'm supposed to be here or not. I just see you, and I'm going to set a screen on you. Right. And there's a play where he, he sets a screen to free up Thomas Sadoransky, who's coming around in the screen. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back to Sadoransky, sets a screen for Sadoransky after he gets the ball. They run a pick and roll, and Sadoransky gets it to him rolling. And it's like, they look like they've run that 500 times. I think right. it was literally the first pick and roll those two guys had ever run. And, like... That's a nice little way to ease yourself into the team if you're doing that. Yeah, and you can't teach that. Now, like, thinking about that in the aftermath, is that depressing for the Wizards that just about anybody can come in and fit into their kind of, I think Brad Beal described as a free-flowing, systemless team, systemless offense? Um, Is that good? Sure, it was tonight. We'll take it. They'll take it. yeah, and, and, you know, kind of on that note, I was really, really impressed with Parker being able to find so many different guys, and he exhibited chemistry that it usually takes a little bit more time to develop, but, he, man, he was finding guys. Was it he who had the, um, who found Ariza on the, um, yeah. the behind-the-back pass? That yeah. was so good. It's so hard to look that nice on your first night with a new team, um, and he was just reading everybody so well. It was He was dishing really well tonight, too. Yeah, Javari is, like... He's not known as a passer. He's a big guy. But he's a yeah. I mean, he's got that Jared Dudley body. Right. But he's a he's a he's a really he's always been a good passer. Mm. He's just not always been a willing passer. And there are a lot of guys like that. I think we like as basketball fans conflate good passer and willing passer. Like the guy who Jabari was always compared to as a prospect was Melo, right? Mm. And people always said Melo's not a good passer. Melo is actually a very good passer. When he wants to be. Exactly. He's just not that willing of a passer. But Melo will make bounce passes. Like, Melo was always a – like, Prime Melo was a great pick-and-roll ball handler. Right. It was because he could pull up on you and hit those shots. He'd get to the rim, get to the line relentlessly. And he was really good at those bounce passes. He was good at finding other guys. Like, Melo was a really good passer, just not a really willing passer. And, and Jabari has kind of been mellow light in his entire career in just about every possible case. And he he is a he is as you saw tonight like a lot of these passes some of the dump offs the way he was pushing in transition and finding guys that behind the back pass to Ariza was so good. ridiculous yeah. I mean an absolutely absurd pass from an actual talent passing standpoint he's a very good passer it's just and he ties career high in assists it's not like he does this every once in a while this was obviously an exceptional game for him uh, but if he shows like this like. That's an incredible help. Reminder, the Cleveland Cavaliers give up 117 points per 100 possessions, which makes them statistically literally the worst defense of all time. How so, many assists did the Wizards have tonight? 35. 35 assists. That's, that's a lot for them. Their offense was clicking tonight, and it was um, not all just because of their offense. No, it was not. Cleveland, oh, my God. There was a play where Thomas Bryant scores on the break, and mm-hmm. Colin Sexton <laughs> fouled him. And it's like, normally... A guy gets wrapped up there, and Colin Sexton just, like, just, like, wasn't even a poke. Yeah. Like, if I called it, like, a poke is significantly more aggressive than what he did. And Thomas Bryant so easily finished for a layup. I'm like, that is one of the worst fouls yeah, you tough. could possibly have. That was bad. Yeah, it was, you know, that's what you say. It's like... 
but that's what's important for the Wizards right now, um, as John Wall sat there in his scooter, or with his scooter nearby on the bench watching, um, is that they win these types of games because they were losing these types of games earlier in the year. So they've got to take something out of this. Take what you can get. Yeah. And look, they not just earlier in the year, right? Like, mm-hmm. they lost to Atlanta. They just <laughs> they just lost to Cleveland. Like, this is a stretch where they've got Chicago tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They've got Detroit after that. They really want to make the playoffs. They got to win these three games. Like they got to win all three of these games. You think Porter uh, scores thirty again against Chicago? You think it's? Do you think it's good that they're going to Chicago tomorrow as opposed to like that was our question for him today? Like, would you rather have this tomorrow and get it over with, or do you want a month to like build up the anger inside of you? I don't know. What do you think? I think based on his comments, did you see what he said on the broadcast no. to Chris Miller? No. <laughs> I have a job to do. I'm not listening to the broadcast. Come on, come on. Well, some part of, of your job. Some job. of us have deadlines, <laughs> Mr. Athletic. <laughs> oh, it's so nice not to have deadlines uh, yeah, anymore. Oh, my God. It's so nice not having deadlines. Um, hey, I had deadlines. I was a newspaper man. Oh, Christ. Not too long ago. I had deadlines. You. Wait, so what did he say on the broadcast? He said that uh, he thinks that trading for him and Jabari is a steal, which is <laughs> – which is a great thing to say yeah. about yourself. I think I was a steal. Wow. It's a great thing. He also, there was a fan who, who tweeted, uh, who quote tweeted that ESPN stats that right. about back-to-back 30-point games and said that, uh, and, and, and Garpax, Chicago GMs, thought that he wasn't, good enough to hold on to or something like right. that. And, and Bobby Portis quote-tweeted it with uh, LMAO, right, and a bunch of crying, laughing emojis. Bobby Portis has apparently also been known to follow all the beat writers and <laughs> call them out on their crap all the time on Twitter because he thinks it's hilarious. So As long as he thinks it's hilarious and doesn't take it personally, that's fine. But he's got to really think it's hilarious. Apparently he does think it's hilarious. Okay. Honestly, I, I love that. I think it's great. Great. As, you I'm know, all as, for as, it. If you're not sensitive about it, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Dudes with personalities, always good by me. I know. Honestly, after so we we talked to these uh, to Portis and Parker and Johnson at Shootaround this morning, and they were so interesting. They were talking, you know, Jabari Parker was, here's what I want to do in the community in D.C., and I want to get to know the local politicians and everything. He wants like to get that. to know his aldermen. I know. Which okay, D.C. <laughs> does have aldermen, but he he meant council, city council members. But it was it was just, I was just sitting there thinking like, man, we we traded away Otto who. Bless Otto, is not out here talking about what he wants to do in the community. And we got these two guys who are like, I'm a steal and I'm going to get involved in the community. Like, yeah, I'll take those two personalities. Why not? Yeah. For selfishly, as a reporter. That is true. Mm-hmm. And you know what they say, they only build NBA teams based on interview quality. Honestly, more teams should. <laughs> the NBA would be much more fun. Can it, get, it could get more fun. Yeah, it could definitely get more fun. Anything could get more fun. Just like anything can get worse. Okay, don't say that. Speaking of getting worse, are we going to talk about John Wall? Oh, yeah, we'll talk about John Wall. <laughs> oh, him. I, I mean, do you want to talk about John Wall? He seemed, well, he seemed Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk. Yeah, he did. So John, John Wall spoke to the media for the first time yeah. since since they announced that uh, that he's going to be out for even longer because of the ruptured Achilles out for 11 eternity. or 15 months. Yeah, mm-hmm. or eternity. Yeah, eternity. Either yeah. one. Could be eternity. Right. We don't know. No. He's, on pace, he's on pace to be out for eternity. <laughs> oh, no. uh, but really, he's out for 11, 15 months. Uh, any takeaways? 
from his comments? Um, you know, this is a guy who's been through a ton of long-term recoveries in his career. He seemed lighthearted. Um, I'm glad you asked the question about how he stays mentally okay. I think, I, I don't know if this was known already, but he talked about his mom having cancer uh, tonight on the broadcast. Got to read The Athletic. We wrote about it four days ago. I don't read that. Like, just kidding. Yes, I do. Um, but, you know, so clearly he's got other stuff to focus on, um, and it seems like his head's in a good place. This This story is just crazy to me about just, like, randomly slipping and him not even knowing that he heard it again. But... Um, what did he say? He said he had a few quick words for the new guys. He was happy to be there with Beal and celebrating his second All-Star appearance, and um, he's in a he's in a good place. He learned that uh, he he knows how his body responds to these long recovery times. So it's it's just being patient at this point. Which there's being patient for John Wall, and then there's being patient for uh, Ernie Grunfeld and for the Wizards fan base. So lots of patience to go around everywhere. So uh, in all seriousness, regarding his mom. I think everybody, media, fans, um, even players to some degree, when they're not really guys they truly know, have a tendency to look at players and just evaluate what they do on the court. And we don't give context, partly because there's just no context provided. Like, how can you possibly know what John Wall is going through? Right. You look at the year John Wall's had, and, and Michael Lee wrote an unbelievable piece mm. on this, amazing piece mm-hmm. on The Athletic. Um, four days ago in which he talks about what John's been going through with his mom who's who's sick and and basically said don't think about John Wall the basketball player's injury think about John Wall the human's injury and it was an amazing piece an amazing perspective piece and I if you're a subscriber to The Athletic which I'm sure some of my listeners are go and read that if you're not become a subscriber to The Athletic and read it but it's true you go back and you just think of the last like six months that John Wall has had or the last year he had the the knee injury kept him out 41 games. He has the bone spurs, surgery. He gets the infection, surgery. He has the Achilles, surgery. In terms of just the emotional swings, he has his son, which is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. He's dealing with his mother who has cancer, which is just horrible. On top of that all, he lost his father to cancer when he was nine years old and obviously had a complicated backstory with him. Uh, it's just such a horrible thing to be going through for any person and meanwhile he's living this unbelievably public life right Right. and everybody is dissecting everything that he's doing myself yourself included and um it's just such a horrible position to be going through i think he's handled it incredibly gracefully um on top of all the drama that's gone on on the team you know and uh i just think it's important for perspective that we all just kind of think about when we talk about John Wall, like, well, heartbreaking time that he's going through right now. Um, yeah, and that's it. Just remember, John Wall is a is a real human being going through a ridiculously difficult time and just stood up, stands up in front of us and talks to us mm-hmm. for nine minutes, which most superstars don't do that when they're hurt. They just get out of it, gives these thoughtful answers, treats everybody like a person. Um, just just worth mentioning for John Wall because he gets a lot of crap. Yeah, gets a lot of crap. He takes a lot of responsibility. I mean, you read any of the stories about all the traits that have gone in this part, it's, you know, everything started with a slip in the bathroom. He gets a lot of, because of the nature of his game and his contract and what he means to this Washington team, he gets a lot of responsibility for kind of all of the good and all of the bad. So, you know, that comes with the game, but um, I'm glad you mentioned that, yeah, that, that human part. I love Mike Lee. 
Michael is great. Yeah. I, I thought you were saying you had read the article. I was like, if you wrote it, I don't want to read it. But Mike, <laughs> Mike, we go, we go and read. We give good publicity for Mike. We like Mike yeah. Former poster. Of course. Um, plug your plug your work before uh, okay. before we finish. Cool. Um, I cover a bunch of different stuff for the Washington Post, mainly. Yeah, mainly, sure. Um, college basketball. So right now doing some good Georgetown basketball and uh, Maryland women's basketball. But I'm doing jack of all trades, master of none. That's that's what I like to say. So, yes, Ava Wallace, Washington Post. Don't follow me on Twitter. I don't tweet that much. But I'm great in person. Come say hi. I agree. Don't follow Ava on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I to say I agree. You're, you're no, no, you're just don't follow. Don't okay, follow her on Twitter. Um, you can subscribe to Wizards After Dark. You can, I should do that. It'll cost you zero cents. Wow. Yeah. What is, now that's a steal. That's a steal. That's a steal. I think, you know what, I think I'm a steal in all of my work. You can subscribe uh, to The Athletic for $5 a month, and I would just say that The Athletic's Wizards coverage alone would be a steal at $5 a month. I'm a but, but you get so much more than Wizards coverage. You get every team and pretty much any sport that you would want. Uh, College basketball coverage is my favorite. Personally, Iman does an amazing job. Dana O'Neill, that's my that's my gal. She's awesome. I mean, come on. She's awesome. Do basketball. Read basketball, everybody. She's so good. <laughs> uh, so subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars. Leave a nice review. Do all the great stuff on iTunes that helps me and nobody else. Uh, selfish. I am not going to be back on Saturday night in Chicago. It's the first post game show. I'm not going to do. What are you doing on Saturday night in Chicago? Oh, wait. You know what? I lied. I am going to be back on Saturday in oh, Chicago. You don't know plans? I did, this the last, I did this the last podcast, too, where I said I wasn't going to be back. I took it all back. I actually am podcasting Saturday in Chicago. Wizards second half of Back to Back tomorrow night, and I'm going to podcast then. So uh, I'll talk to you. What an about face. <laughs> such a tease to your subscribers. <laughs> yeah, they finally thought they had a moment away from me. It turns out I'm coming back. I'm back on Saturday night. I'll talk to you guys then.